let me introduce you, your host on Let's Talk Podcast, the one, the only, Philip! Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Podcast. This is episode 115, and today, we're the Chicago Bulls, and today I have a guest who is the host of Rebuild a Bull podcast, Matt. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me on. And no problem, no problem. Um, before we get started, how is the quarantine life treating you? I, you know what? All things considered, I I can't complain. It's treating me well. I'm I'm healthy and safe. So you know what? That's 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 all you can hope for, right? You know. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I think I eat a lot of fast food these days. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, are are you safe and doing well, other than than enjoying some good fast food? Uh, I, I'm being safe um, at the moment, right now. Um, it's been tough for me for the past two months. Um, my dog passed away two months ago. Uh, my friend passed away end of October. My other friend passed away last month. Um, so it's been tough mentally wise, but you know, I'm trying mm-hmm. things through. You know. Yeah, that's uh, sorry to hear that. That sounds like it's sound pretty tough and everything, especially with just you know everything going on now. And you add that on, that that's rough. Yeah, sorry, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate appreciate. But speaking of rough, the Bulls preseason (laughs) start yesterday, and we finally got Bulls basketball. It's been nine months for Bulls basketball, and we got you know it's preseason. But and it's good to see Bulls basketball. What are your thoughts on the Bulls' first preseason game against the Houston Rockets yesterday? I mean, it, it was it was pretty rough to deal with. But you know, like I never want to put too much stock into a preseason game, especially the first preseason game. But um, I think my my first takeaway was uh, seeing John Wall after two years just run rough shot over Kobe White. Um, that was, that was kind of hard to see. You were, you were kind of hoping for more. Um, and you know, just, I think getting lit up on, on the defensive end was kind of unsettling, but you can kind of tell they're, they're feeling their way through some things. Um, yeah. you know, defensively, you, you want to see some improvement in that first game. It was certainly hard to, to, to stomach all that. Um, and offensively, it looks like you could tell they're trying to, to feel their way through that too. You know, Billy Donovan really wants to implement this, you know, fast pace offense, you know, pushing the ball up the floor and then having a lot of that motion in the half court, a lot of movement in the half court, a lot of slashing. Um, and, and you kind of saw not everybody was really comfortable yet. And I think they'll, they'll get there. It might take some time though. Um, and, you know, not having a, Having a long layoff like they did, I don't think helped. I think uh, Adam Amin and Stacey King both brought it up that you know Houston was in the bubble, you know, not not even what two three months ago, and the Bulls you know haven't played since March, so you can kind of tell like they just didn't have their legs under them. But hopefully it gets better because uh, you know I definitely want to see some of these guys improve this year. That's for sure. Definitely, definitely. I mean, plus short camp. Sharp preseason, no summer league for rookies and sophomores. Yeah, that doesn't help much either, and that's gonna be tough for it, pretty much not just the Bulls, but everyone else, especially teams who are not in the bubble. Just what a couple months ago now, and mm-hmm. which is not that long ago, and which is which is crazy. And you know, and when I watched the Bulls game yesterday in preseason, no crowd, which is weird to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's weird. I mean, I'm watching some preseason games right now, no crowd, and it's still weird to me. That it probably takes a while to get used to, even though it's not forever. I think. What are your thoughts with this whole preseason game or regular season game, for that matter, with no crowd? It's you know, it's strange. Like when you watch it on the TV broadcast, like they, they pump in that fake crowd noise, but it definitely doesn't replicate you know how you would feel the real rhythm of a game. So as a fan, it's very bizarre to to watch a game and kind of listen to this like fake crowd noise. I, I noticed it especially during free throws. Like they really were trying to pump in and, and manufacture that 
that level of it when the Rockets were at the foul line. I was watching it on the uh, NBC Sports Chicago broadcast for the, the home game for Chicago. And it just it – was, it was strange. I can only imagine if you're a player that it's got to feel weird to be in an empty arena like the United Center. Because, you know, in the bubble, we kind of saw a, a, a smaller court. You know, they were playing on those courts at, uh, in Disney World there. And it was all, like, built for a television production, right? Like, they had the screens up and, you know, the the way that they had different types of uh, noise coming from the the virtual fans. It it felt weird, though, like watching a game at an empty United Center. And I got to imagine if you're a player, that's got to be eerie, you know, to just be in that arena and, like, you just see canvases. I I noticed – I don't know if you you noticed this in the game – they had like a car that was there. I don't know. Like, I think it was like Chevy's a sponsor. So they had a Chevy sitting in like an area maybe where fans would be sitting. So it was strange. It's really oh, weird. Oh, well, I didn't know that. I didn't even notice that. I tried, well, I tried to do especially yesterday. I was trying to pay attention to what the players say because, you know, it's yeah. like you don't have to, you don't hear the crowd, you know, chanting defense or whatever. Yeah. And I try to hear what the players say. You, you can hear some of the players what they say. I think I hear them say, "Oh shit," or something like that, <laughs> like loud and clear. Well, and uh, you know, and well, go ahead. And I was gonna say that's a fun part of an NBA game is when you do hear some of the conversation going on on the court. Like I kind of <laughs> wish they would let us hear more of that. And I know there might be some inappropriate language and stuff like that, but I would love to hear some of the trash talking and back and forth. That would be so much fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. I want to see those players talking trash. Like, can you imagine your uh, who's this trash talking players nowadays? I mean, uh, you know, like maybe LeBron James or Patrick Beverly, especially. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, oh, hearing hearing Patrick Beverly like you know badmouth half the point guards in the league is just must see TV. I would love to hear like you know even um, even like last night's game. Hearing you know Boogie Cousins would have been just awesome. You know, to kind of hear some of that too, yep. like. Those are the kind of guys, like, you want to hear what they're what they're saying on the floor. And, like, you know, even when you have, like, those really star-studded matchups, like if you get a game like Lakers-Clippers and you get LeBron going one-on-one with Kawhi Leonard, although Kawhi Leonard's not much of a trash talker, but just to hear, like, them right. going back and forth, and you know LeBron gets chirpy when, he, when he's playing well. So it, it would be fun to kind of hear some of that stuff. I, I would love it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, too, me, too. You know, and you mentioned about those fake crowd noise. It's like I mean, watching WWE nowadays. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's a it's lot like beer. <laughs> like they're in the Thunderdome. Yeah, Thunderdome. I mean, I need to get into that Thunderdome some someday. <laughs> but yeah, now now on the Bulls Rockets game, and there's a lot of, lot of cons. I'm and there's some pros, but let's talk about the cons of this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, but even though it's one preseason game, it's preseason game, but. I see a lot of open threes, mm. open threes, open threes. They don't even bother to. This is not about nothing but rust, really, because you just at least try to close out the shooter, and that boggles my mind. That's one of the cons that boggles my mind. But it's boggling your mind when you watched the Bulls yesterday. You know, that was one of the biggest things I think that I was ticked with, too, was not closing out on, on three point shots last night because, you know, you. I think when a team gets in a rhythm like the Rockets were, it's like, all right, just close out at some damn point. Um, I think, you know, they were letting guys get, get to the rim easily too. And I think that actually set up a lot of open threes. Um, and I, I think that's, that's something that I guess doesn't surprise me too much. Um, you know, the, it, you lost a good defender in Chris Dunn. I think your backcourt defense, you know, for the Bulls, it's, it's going to be a little, a little rough this year, especially if, if Kobe White's going to be your starting point guard, you know, Zach has some some deficiencies already that we know about. Um, and I think Kobe's kind of inconsistent. So when Kobe's got to go up against some of these really fast and elusive point guards, and we saw it with John Wall last night, um, like you, you wouldn't have noticed John Wall had been out for two years with, you know, Achilles problems and whatnot. Um, but you, you see some of those, those faster guards that can get to the rim, you know, can Kobe White be able to, get in front of them and stop them. And, you know, can, can these guys to steal a, a term from Tom Thibodeau, can they start pulling on the same end of the rope a little more? So if guys getting to the rim quickly, can somebody get there to help? 
Um, I think those are the things that kind of ticked me off yesterday. I think that was one of the, the, I think, biggest cons is just defensively not seeing some things get shored up. Um, And then, like I said earlier, on offense, um, you know, you would like to see a little more fluidity. Um, But I think that that comes more with time. You know, I think defense is usually the first thing that you adapt to. And then the offense kind of takes a little more seasoning before it really gets going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing that ticks me off, they, only Wendell Carter is the only one that tried to get the rebound. Other guys just like watching the ball. Or I, I remember it was the loose ball situation. I think it was Patrick Williams or something. And the guys just looking, just looking at the ball, they could dive the ball just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's one of those little things, one of those little things that boggle my mind. I know it's preseason, but come on now, you need to. You need to fight for your job, basically, and dive, you know, dive the loose balls or getting the rebounds. And Wendell Carter is the only one that rebound the ball. I think he has what eight, nine rebounds, mm-hmm. uh, basically. And that's what bugs my mind. But things I'm little, little concerned. You mentioned about Kobe White. Now I'm not concerned about his playmaking ability yet. He worked yet, <laughs> but my concern is him. Defending bigger, quicker guards like Sean Wall, Russell Westbrook, he's gonna get abused. Uh, he's he's you can see you can tell from yesterday he gets abused so easily getting to the paint. And Sean Wall, you mentioned he hadn't paid for two years due to the injury. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little concerned about that. What are your thoughts about Kobe defend those quicker guards like Sean Wall, Russell Westbrook, and even Derek Rose for that matter? Yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, I think I'm 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 a little concerned, and honestly, like. And I don't want to say anything like too soon, you know. I honestly, before Billy Donovan committed to Kobe White being the, the primary ball handler and starting, I was kind of in this this minority that thought maybe Tomas Sadaransky would get another shot to be the starting point guard, just because it ensures you a little bit more defensively to start the game, you know. And if Kobe White's feeling the hot hand, you know, scoring, he finishes the game maybe. Um, but I was thinking that Tomas Sadoransky would get the starting gig just to kind of pay, you know, fill that gap that could happen defensively. Cause you're right. Like the more you get up against some of these guards and now we've seen, especially in the East, there's, there's a lot of really, uh, good point guards. I mean, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little scared about what, what could happen defensively with, with Kobe White. Now you hope as the season goes on, you know, defense is, is a team construct. So, like, if everybody's kind of pulling again, I'm, I'm going to use that Tibbs line again, the, the pulling on the same end of the rope, and you can at least, if, if you do get beat, there's somebody there to help at all times, then that hides it a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, Kobe's going to have to find a way to hold his own at some point. Um, otherwise, I, I think he's going to be short for the starting lineup. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with him being – a combo guard to come off the bench. I, I, I think, you know, he certainly would finish games to help with, with any type of scoring load, but I would not be surprised if, if Tomas said Aransky is the, you know, maybe early in the regular season ends up reclaiming that, that starting point guard spot. So you maybe see maybe some point during the season, Kobe right go back to the bench, play off the bench as a sixth man. But Tomas as a starting point guard. Yes. At some point in the season. Okay. I, I could see that. I could see that. Um, and granted, yesterday when Tomas come in, because I remember we were down by double digit, I think it was in the first half. Mm-hmm. And when he come in, but for, I believe for Kobe White, the offense seemed to be a little bit more, I guess a little bit more fluid. And we cut down the double digits. We're coming back a little bit, like a little mini run. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I'm not pinning on just Kobe White in this loss. I mean, you know, everything's every it's a team concept, but you know, it seemed to be like a little different, and maybe that's something to watch out for this season. But Tomas, because Tomas may be better as a playmaking, winning the offense, while we want Kobe White to improve his playing skill. And so far, he's been struggling. That you know, it's one preseason game. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, and like that's. I think that's what I'm kind of thinking too. Like you definitely saw that with, with him being able to, uh, Tomas Sadoransky being able to make more, more plays with the ball in his hand than Kobe did. And like, I, I, I'm not trying to knock Kobe White cause you know, maybe Kobe White is a, a combo guard. Maybe that's what we end up learning as the season goes on. 
Like I'm willing to to give this a shot. I'm willing to kind of wait um, maybe first 10 games or something into the season to kind of see how it plays out. Um, but, you know, if, if he's a, a combo guard and more of a spark plug to come off the bench and Tomas Sadoransky is able to, you know, run with that starting lineup within this, this Billy Donovan offense, I mean, you got to do what's best for, for this team. And, and, you know, maybe you end up maximizing Kobe's strength in the process, right? Like you, you knock him over to the bench. He plays with the second unit, becomes a bit of a spark plug offensively. And, you know, I think one of the things that Billy Donovan brought up too, that's really important to remember with the rotations, I think into the regular season, he he's hinted to the fact that you're going to see, you know, nine to 10 guys play consistently every night, but it's not going to be lineup for lineup like some teams do and what Jim Boylan did a lot last year. You're going to see some starters and guys off the bench kind of sprinkled in and out. So I think that what that allows is like, okay, you might see Sadoransky with, you know, if, if he starts, maybe then Kobe comes in, you know, Otto Porter comes out, Sadoransky goes to like the three, you know, guards the, the small forward on the floor. And, you know, still might be the, the primary ball handler in the offense. So there, there's a lot that can be, I think, done and that Billy Donovan might play with. But, yeah, it, it would be something that, you know, again, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for Kobe White either if that ends up happening. But, um, you know, because the goal this year really is to try to maximize every strength, everybody's strength. So, you know, whatever you got to do, you got to do. Yeah, correct. Right, right. And I agree. And, you know, now Wendell Carter Tuner. He shoot a lot ball three. You didn't see that the last couple of years, especially last year. Yeah. But Tim Bolin as head coach, and now he takes a lot with the three. I got no complaint. You know, he's not making that. Maybe I see some of his heads hesitate shooting the threes, and that might be why maybe his confidence not high yet. But taking the open three, I'm fine with it. What What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm I'm totally fine with it, and I, and I get it. He bricked. You know, he went zero for five last night, but I'm fine with it. You know, like. I think as the season goes on, um, I-, I could totally see, you know, he, he. I think within the next preseason game or two, he, I think he's going to hit a couple of open threes. And I think it's all about getting his confidence in just taking that shot because they're going to leave him open. And I think he's got to be able to, to hit those. Now, you know, he did that um, sparingly at Duke and he's done it sparingly in his, his career, but, you know, even Billy Donovan said it, he, he has the stroke to do it. And it's just more about, I think, getting muscle memory, you know, kind of go back to what you just said is, you know, he showed that hesitancy um, a lot under Jim Boylan, you know, Jim Boylan wouldn't really let him do that. So I think it's, it's kind of just getting comfortable with, with doing it. So I'm fine with him taking, you know, as many attempts, get, you know, get some of that rust out, you know, get used to taking those open shots. And hopefully as the regular season comes, he gets more comfortable in their rhythm. But I'm totally fine with it. Go ahead and test it out, man. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the only thing I do have complaint about regarding Wendell Carter yesterday, I remember this one, he grabbed the officer rebound, and Eric Gordon was on him. He could post him up right there, but instead he passed it out, kick it out. That buggers my mind. Big man, you need to post up the, the small guy. I mean, if I, I'm a small guy. If a big guy post. Don't post me up. I would be happy. <laughs> I feel like this is something that's been happening a lot in, in the NBA. Not a lot of guys maximize these matchups they have on them. And I, one thing that bothers me so much um, is sometimes Laurie Markkinen does this too, and it just it frustrates the hell out of me. You know, you post somebody up, like take them down, like just take them down. Don't go with that fadeaway crap. You know, like that's one thing that always bothers me is a lot of these big guys – tried to like put the fadeaway on, on the smaller guys, you know, instead of just going right at them. Um, that frustrates me. But yeah, I, I noticed a couple of times like Wendell was, was kicking, kicking it out when he had mismatches. And, and I feel like, you know, you got to take advantage at, at times, you know? Um, but I feel like that's the thing that goes on a lot just around the league these days. It's a totally different NBA than what I, I what I was used to have grown up, you know, but yeah. Yeah, same here. I remember watching the '90s with Hakeem Olajuwon, David Watson, mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing. I mean, they post up. They post up even the mismatches. And today's I mean, nope. Um, I'm not gonna post up this little guy. No, nope, I'm kicking out for an open guy or whatever. No, I'm not gonna dunk on this small guy. Come on, 
man, if I'm if I'm sixteen or six eleven, I will post up and slam dunk and yeah. smile because you know I can't touch I can't touch the rim in real life right now because I'm not sixteen. <laughs> but I'm just saying. You know, the, there was a play. There was a play during yesterday's game. Um, actually, it was really early. I think it might have been the Bulls' first possession, first or second possession, and uh, Laurie Marketing got the ball at the three point line, faked the guy out, dribbled. And had a wide open mid range look with like maybe four or five seconds left on the shot clock, and he threw like this air ball pass over Zach Levine's head. Zach was open for a three, but Laurie had an open shot. And like that's just today's NBA. If they see a guy open at three point line, they're gonna throw it to them. Um, but yeah, I was just like, you know, back. I, this is sometimes when you feel so out of touch or old. You're like, man, back in back when I was growing up, like that was you would take that 15 foot jump shot and like nobody would question it, you know, but nowadays you got to throw it out to the guy for the three. I feel like every single time. Yeah. You can say the same thing about winning the fast break. When you've got numbers three on two, three on one, sometimes they'll kick it out for the open three. I'm like, no, no, no. And yeah, you make it maybe, but I'd rather get the easy percentage than a tougher percentage shots. You know, it's old school, old school, but it could be mm-hmm. effective. I mean, I I'm about to talk to my friend about it. I mean, I, man, sometimes I hate today's NBA. Like simple things, like when the first fast break, you know, three out when you got numbers, you get the easy dunk or easy layup. But today's NBA, they kick out for open three. You know, I'm not gonna go for the pass out to the outlet to the easy layup. I'm gonna pass it to the guy to open corner mm-hmm. three. No man, come on. I hate some, sometimes I hate that. A lot of times I hate yeah. that. Honestly. But that this is the new NBA. Now, you mentioned about Lauren Marketing. The one thing I like what I saw from Lauren Marketing in yesterday game, I hope we see that in the regular season when it counts, is he's been seemed to be very yes. aggressive, which we have not seen that in the past couple of years since his rookie season. And he's been very aggressive. Now, I think he scored like 13 or 15 points. So, But he's been aggressive, so that's a good sign, even though it's just one game. What are your thoughts on oh, Lauren Marketing? He- that that was one thing that that uh, I was kind of hoping you would you would uh, bring up there. I I think he did look very aggressive yesterday, and and you know it, it's funny. Um, I feel like last year the the storyline coming into the season is my God, you know, Larry Markkinen put on so much muscle, and he's going to be so much more of a you know bruiser down low, and he's going to you know be more aggressive. And we didn't see that. We saw him standing out the three point line, and and now this year. Like he's not, he's not as muscular. It seems like he's kind of back almost to the same build he was his first year or, or second year. And you could tell he, he looked more comfortable. So maybe, you know, body wise, he's more comfortable. Um, but I think what Billy Donovan is, is telling him, like, look, be you. Um, and I, look, I, I don't want to throw everything at Jim Boylan. Like if you listen to my podcast, I, I ripped the hell out of Jim Boylan last year and I continue to, to still take shots when I can, but you know, certain things I think Laurie did or certain reasons that he regressed, you know, they weren't just on Jim Boylan. I think he was part of it too. He didn't show a lot of that aggression. He didn't do things in spite of, of bad coaching. Um, he seemed very timid at times last year. Um, Good sign in, in the first game of the preseason. Like, that's Laurie Markkinen, like you mentioned. Very similar to what he was his rookie year. Very similar to what he was before Fred Hoiberg got fired in season two uh, of, of Laurie Markkinen's young career. So, um, if that's Laurie Markkinen we're going to see it, it, when we get into the regular season, um, I think that's a really good sign for the Bulls. And, hell, that's a really good sign for, for him because, you know, he, he's due a potential big payday either – uh, December 21st or at, uh, you know, after the season because he, he will be a restricted free agent. So um, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see him have a, a productive year this year if, he, uh, if he's trying to get paid. Yeah. What, what's your prediction for Lauren Marketing stats for this season? Stats for this season. That's a good one. You know, last year I had predicted, I think, 19-9. and nine. For him, and I'm going to go with something similar this year because I think that like the the style that that Billy Donovan wants to play again, it's a lot of movement and a lot of slashing in the half court. I think that fits Laurie Markkinen perfectly. I think there might be opportunities to get him into mismatches. Um, so I'm I'm going to say probably roughly close to that number in terms of points. I'll say about 18 or 19 points a game. 
Um, I think his three-point shooting is going to go back up. I think he's going to be somewhere in the high 30s. Um, of course, he, he had a career low last year. Um, you know, what's interesting with Laurie Markkinen, his rebounds, if you look each year, have, have kind of taken a downtick. Last year, they took a downtick. Part of that, I think, has to do with having Wendell on the floor. Um, so I'll say he probably gets about close to seven rebounds. And, um, yeah, I, I, think, I, think a, I think a good 19-7 and seven season for Laurie Markkinen this year. I'll go with that. Okay, that's, that's not about right. What what do you think be his uh, field goal mm. percentage? Uh, I want to you know I want to take a look you know I'm just trying to do a little bit of research ahead of time and I want to say he shot I know like extremely low last year. Now yeah I got a question do you do you have his stats pulled up from the last couple of years by any chance? Uh, no I don't have it with me but I can let's see if I can bring that up let's see because I know like. Uh, to kind of fill that, I, I know, like last year, again, he shot, I want to say close to like 40. I want to say he was in the low 40s last year in terms of full field goal percentage. Yeah, last season, in the in terms of field goal percentage, he shoot like 42%. 40, well, 42.5. Now, I think is so in his rookie season, was he in the high 40s? Like, like 43. 43. Okay, so I'm going to say that this year he gets to about 46, 47%. That will be his we'll, career high. And, and, and I'm going to – because I'm going to make a bold prediction. I don't think we're going to see him – I don't think we're going to see him constantly at the three-point line this year. I Like, don't get me wrong. He'll probably attempt, like, you know, five to seven threes a game. But – and maybe even more than that. Mm-hmm. But, like – I think that you're going to see a lot more of him slashing, getting to the basket. So I just, I have a feeling that we're going to see full field goal percentage kick up. I think his three point field goal percentage kind of gets back to where it was early in his career, because I think he won't be just standing chucking at the three point line all the time. So I just, I don't know. I I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty decent season for Laurie marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember Billy Donovan say one time that Lauren Marketing needed to stop being like a one-dimensional, which that's what he was basically last year. But like shooting threes, lots, yeah. And I think he, you know, go inside. I think that's what we saw a bit of it yesterday on the preseason game. And I hope we see more of it consistently, uh, being more aggressive with the mid-range, going inside, cutting as you mentioned it, and that probably will help him. Maybe, maybe help him get open, open threes and make. Open threes, maybe not. You know, maybe that that will mm-hmm. help him out. Uh, I will predict maybe similar in terms of point per game, eighteen points per game, and I will say forty six percent on the field goal. But three, I will say I'm gonna be a homer, forty percent behind all. Hey, you know what? If he if he does that, then I think yeah, he he'd be if he's shooting that from three and and from just field goal, he might he would then maybe certainly flirting with almost 20 points a game at that point. And, and like that, look, if that happens and you know what you're getting from a guy, like, I think, I think Zach Levine, we, we know that he's going to be, you know, 20 or more point per game score like that. That's the kind of guy he's going to be. So you'd have right. two guys roughly flirting with that. Um, and then I think everything else kind of is, is gravy in the terms of production you would get from, from Carter and, and Kobe and, and some of the other guys on your roster that you might rely on for scoring. So, um, yeah, no, like that would be that would be ideal to see Laurie Marketing get get up to that point again. Yeah, definitely. And and you'll be in the three point contest, win the three point contest. Why not? <laughs> Beating. Yeah, why not? It'll be a bonus. maybe get Laurie. <laughs> you should. Be well, that'd be great. Get get Laurie in a three point competition, and then maybe Zach, maybe finally we'll go back to the dunk competition. That would be kind of fun if if you get. Uh, some representation there, All Star Weekend, and maybe one of them getting to the All Star Game. That'd be kind of fun, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he should be in the Slam Dunk Contest last year when they were in Chicago mm-hmm. back in February, <laughs> and I was kind of, I was kind of surprised he didn't get. I don't know, he got the invitation. If he didn't, he probably turned it down. But you know, it'll be great. You'll be in it. Who knows? Maybe you could get those mm-hmm. two in the All Star. 
We'll, we'll see. Now, another big guy who was trying to be aggressive, but maybe too aggressive, if, you, if there's such thing, is Daniel Gafford. Now, I love his energy he brings yesterday. I love, I love his energy he brings last season. And uh, went up the up down court, mobile, athletic, and, you know, but he was too aggressive. Maybe he needs to learn to pass the ball. And like, he's a big man. You're not Oxymajalon. What are your thoughts on Daniel Gafford? Well, yesterday? Daniel Gafford, I think he looked very. Um, I mean, he looked. <laughs> that was my laundry. Heyo. Um, so, you know, um, I think Daniel Gafford looked a little like jittery. You know, and, and it doesn't surprise me because, like you said, he plays with a lot of energy. Um, but he's definitely somebody that, like, I feel like he has to be within within a rhythm. And early in the game, you could tell he was sort of just – he wasn't feeling it offensively, and I think it kind of hurt him for the rest of the game. There was an interesting point, um, and I, I noticed this as I was watching the game, where Billy Donovan, when Daniel Gafford came out of the game, actually, like, coached him up a little bit. Like, was kind of talking to him about what he wasn't doing offensively and I thought that was interesting because, like, with Jim Boylan, you just kind of saw him, like, just rah-rah fake screaming. But, like, Billy Donovan actually, like, took a moment as Daniel Gafford came out of the game and just stood with him for about a good 45 seconds to a minute. And I was watching it during um, – when he, when he came out for substitution after a free throw attempt. And as they were continuing play after the second free throw attempt, Billy Donovan was still talking with him. And, like, pointing out, like, areas of the floor that he's got to work at. And I'm like, th- see, this is where good coaching matters. Because, like, I think Daniel Gafford has, because of that energy, I think he has a lot that he can bring you. You know, he's kind of like, um, I-, I almost look at him a little bit like what Taj Gibson was or, like, even uh, a poor man's. And, again, I'm not trying to make this comparison. To, like, he's exactly like him. But a, a poor man's Tyson Chandler, you know, like – Daniel Gafford could come off the bench, give you like seven and seven in his sleep, three blocks and like, or, you know, maybe that's a little aggressive maybe like a block or two. Um, but, you know, somebody that can give you a lot of production coming off the bench in, in just maybe like 20 minutes. Um, so like you want to make sure like this is a guy that you can get a lot out of. And, and I, like, I thought it was just a cool moment to see, Billy Donovan do that kind of thing because, you know, this is somebody that I think could really add a lot to your rotation. So, I mean, I, I like Daniel Gafford. So, you know, whatever he gives you to me is, is just bonus because like you're, you're not expecting him to be a guy that, that starts for you or, or anything like that. I mean, if he does become that, that's probably because Wendell Carter's hurt. So, you know, I think that you don't want that this season. So, um, but you know, like last night, I think like most of the guys on the floor, Daniel Gafford just seemed a little kind of like out of sorts. And so um, I think, you know, as this preseason goes on, as the regular season goes on, I think, I think he'll get better for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of players, a lot of both players are excited to play. I mean, nine months is a long period of time uh, with, you know, no, uh, short camp preseason, Dan Gafford. And I always like Dan Gafford. Uh, I like the pick from last year. Uh, I think he's a nice high energy guy off the bench. Uh, I remember his first game, his first pet game uh, scored what, career, like 20 points or something like that. It brings energy. I can remember against who, but yeah. Uh, do you see maybe a double become a better opposite player than we thought maybe later on for Dan Gafford? Hello? Um, I can't hear you. I think you're getting uh, cut off. Uh, give me a second. Shoot. Uh, yeah, I, I can't hear you right now. This. Uh, let me, can we get on Twitter now? Oh yeah, I, I I can't hear you. I think you're getting cut off. Uh, I'm not sure you can hear me. Let me message you on Twitter right quick. I'm. Folks, we have a technical difficulty. I don't know if you can hear me, but you're, I can't hear you. Uh, I just messaged you on Twitter if you can hear me. 
We're back. Sorry for the technical difficulty. I playing 2020. <laughs> yeah, that's what 2020 is all about. But anyways, now as I ask uh, about Daniel Gaff, Daniel Gafford, do you see him that will become a better offensive player? Um, you know, I, that's a tough one because I, I feel like I feel like I mean he kind of seems like a guy that that is going to be always like what he is, I, and like I said, he. It reminds me of like that that Tyson Chandler ish, Taj Gibson ish player. Um, I think with Daniel Gafford, if he improves, you know, shooting from like, you know, top of the key foul line area, kind of works on on a little bit more of a long range jump shot. Um, I think you know he could be a, a better offensive player. But like right now, I just kind of see him as that that garbage man, you know, scoring around the basket a lot. Just getting a lot of lobs, putbacks, and things like that. But if he if he improves his shot, I totally see him getting better offensively. Um, but you know, I, I don't know really what he's added to his game yet. So I guess we'll find out either more in the preseason or, or with the regular season. But yeah, if he if he ever adds those kind of wrinkles to his game, where he's he's able to hit something from you know mid range or you know maybe even expands off to the three point line, like. He would be – I mean, he would be freakishly unstoppable at that point. But, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm not sure if he's there yet, though. I don't know if, if there's anything that you – know, I, I mean, like, I haven't heard anything yet from anything uh, with the training camp practices or anything like that that they said where he added that. But, I mean, it, he, he's good at what he is right now. Like, he adds a lot of value to a guy off the bench to do, you know, all that dirty work. You need guys like that in the NBA. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He's like – he's kind of reminding me of – I know you mentioned about Tosh Gibson, which is a good one. Uh, he kind of reminds me, in the sense of, in terms of the netism and wind protection, he kind of reminds me of Daniel Jordan when he first came in the league. Hmm. Uh, and if he can be at least that, but I like to see him be more important in the pick and roll game. You know, catch lobs and dunks and stuff, you know? What do you think? Yeah. yeah, you know, pick and roll is a good point. Like, you, you don't see him do that a lot. I wonder if you if you kind of see that utilized a lot with, with Billy Donovan now here, where maybe there is a point of emphasis to kind of get him involved more in a, in a, a pick and roll game. You throw him some lobs. Like we talk about that second unit, um, you know, so like right now we're going to see probably the second unit at the start of the season include, you know, Sadoransky, um, Gafford, probably Garrett Temple once he gets healthy. Um, I'd imagine – I mean, it sounds like maybe, you know, Valentine or Hutch. I, I'm not, like, trying to think, like, well, of course, Thad Young, too. So, um, maybe – I wonder who gets bumped from it. If it's, if, you know – Yeah, it hmm. might be – if I have to guess, it might be Valentine, maybe. Or maybe – it's either Valentine or Hutchinson or even Patrick Williams. Let, let's talk about Patrick Williams for a bit. He was – Oh, man, he, wait, he, actually – Real, real quick, I totally whiffed on that too. No, Patrick Williams, I think is going to get the minutes in that in that second lineup. So maybe maybe Denzel, maybe Denzel's the odd man out, and then yeah, he actually, you know what? Probably Garrett Temple's the odd man out. Now that I think about it. Okay, so Garrett, let, let's just let's just finish on this. Valentine, Garrett Temple, and Chandler Hutchison are probably going to be fighting for minutes. So. We'll see. Best man win. Yeah. <laughs> Have an arm wrestling contest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you Figure go. Figure it out, guys. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah, now, Patrick Williams, I thought he plays well. And mm-hmm. and then uh, he was – I like the way he defends Sean Wall. That's probably one of my favorite parts. But he's shooting struggles. He makes some – I believe he make one open three, but he makes some mid-range, which you don't see mid-range nowadays. And I was like, hey – I almost forgot what mid-range looks like. <laughs> and there we go. And Patrick Williams, he played well. Played both well on both ends yesterday. What are your thoughts on Patrick Williams yesterday? Oh, man, he he looked he looked like everything I think that Bulls fans want him to look like. You know, and the energy is there. Um, you even saw the raw athletic ability that, that makes him so desirable. And, like, defensively, you know, we, we had heard from, from Billy Donovan, you even heard from some of the, the other Bulls players that this guy's already on a, a, you know, working level for the NBA to, to play because he can play defense. Um, and, but what we saw from him offensively last night, like you mentioned, 
hitting some some nice mid-range jumpers. I never realized how fluid and pretty his shooting motion was. Yeah. Um, and and as like from a pure basketball like geek out moment, knowing that he's got that kind of shooting motion, just thinking, man, if he can keep expanding that, if he ends up like taking that and and really developing an, a more consistent shot from three, um, yeah, he could be deadly. Like the. The upside of a Patrick Williams is definitely intriguing to me. I totally get why the Bulls picked him. Um, it's kind of funny. Like, so like when we did, um, I did my, uh, uh, for Rebuildable, we did a, a show before the draft. And I had Michael Walton on from Bulls Confidential. And Michael Walton is really good. He does great breakdowns of, of everybody. And we only brought up Patrick Williams in passing for probably about 20 seconds. So, like, we weren't expecting Patrick Williams to be the pick because we thought, you know, position and need for the Bulls was a point guard. There's a lot of intriguing point guard prospects. And I feel like Patrick Williams wasn't somebody on a lot of people's radars until maybe 24 to 36 hours before the draft. You started seeing more national guys bring him up. And, you know, I, I was kind of, like, taken aback a bit. But, you know, when you started thinking about the kind of upside he offered and and you've probably read a lot of the stuff too there's some experts think that you know his ceiling you know so best possible best case scenario he could be a jimmy butler Kawhi leonard type player you know guy that develops his offensive game to go with the defense um and then you know even at his floor though i think a lot of people think he could be a really good role player in this league because he brings a lot to the table defensively and is athletic enough to at least you know hold out his own on the, on the offensive end. So um, yeah, like I, I was really excited because I, you know, again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I, it was really good to kind of see that, that fluid shooting motion, see him, you know, play well on the offensive end before. Cause I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a lot of, I think they're going to play him a lot of minutes this year. I think he's going to be a solid part of the rotation. That's why I'm, I'm kicking myself for on the last question we were talking about Gafford. Um, not remembering Patrick Williams. And Patrick Williams is going to have a lot of, a lot of um, play, I think, with, in his first year for sure. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be buried on the bench. I, I don't think that at all. Yeah, okay. So you expect him to be on the rotation by season opener? Yes. I, and I, maybe that, I don't know if that's too bold, but I think he's definitely a guy that's going to play 20, at least 20 minutes a game. Okay. Like, and, and I think it's because they trust him defensively. Like, yeah. Billy Donovan, like, that's the first thing he talked about when they, they were talking about Patrick Williams. And, you know, if you're young in the NBA and you can play defense, you're going to get minutes. A lot of players in the league don't get, um, don't get playing time when they're younger because they, they haven't caught up defensively. And that's the one thing that, that Donovan brings up a lot. And, again, his, his teammates were talking about it too. So I do think he's going to be a, a regular part of the rotation from the start of the season. Okay, yeah. Now, I, I noticed when he, when Billy Donovan bring Patrick Williams in the game the first time, he put he sub in for Lauren Market, which he played at the four. And I, I like what he did uh, with Patrick playing some of the four and playing at the three, some of the three as well. Um, what, in your opinion, which position might suit it for Patrick Williams at the four or the three, or maybe both combo forwards? I mean, it could be a combination. Um, I think the, the cool thing is it brings you the versatility. Like if you want to go a little bit on, uh, on the smaller side, yeah, you could play him at the four and, and, and really you're not going to lose any production. Cause it, he seems like he's got the body, you know, he's at a good, he's at a good height wise, you know, size six, eight. So you can get him at, at both spots to kind of match up, you know, height wise, but you know, he, he's, he's fast enough. He's big enough uh, just in terms of his, his, you know, mass too. So like, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be married to one position. Um, I think it just kind of depends on what personnel you have around you. So like right now, you know, if they want to throw him in the lineup at one point where Wendell and Laurie are on the floor, I think, you know, I, I don't think you, you lose a beat if you throw him at the three. Um, but you know, in, in today's NBA, maybe he's better suited at the four. Um, you know, long term, but like I said, I, I think it's it it's going to be a it's he's going to be a versatile player to use. So he'll, he'll be a little more of a Swiss Army knife where you can put him in at the three or the four, 
depending on what kind of lineup you want to trot out. So, and that's a good thing, man. Like, I think that's the, again, I think that's the intriguing part of, of why they, they really like him is that he, he does offer a lot of versatility. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can play small ball. I mean, you can put maybe Lauren Mark at the five, but Patrick Williams at the four, but you need to. Um, first mm-hmm. thing, or put him at the three, but maybe Gafford and Lauren Marketing or Wendell Carter, Lauren Market, which we have seen some a, a bit yesterday. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna probably see yep. more of, of that. I'm excited with Patrick Williams. Now he's 19 year old. He plays like a fat yesterday. Like, like he has experience in the NBA fat. Now he will have probably had some learning curves along the line or anything, but thank you really for Billy Donovan coach. And I, and speaking of Billy Donovan, what do you, you don't like to see so far Billy Donovan from, even though it's one preseason game uh, from yesterday's game that you should maybe work on and, you know, maybe making an adjustment or maybe something, maybe sub right away or, because I noticed he didn't call time right away when he used to make that run when he first start the game in the first quarter. <laughs> He didn't call a timeout immediately. Uh, maybe that kind of bugged my mind a little bit. Maybe it's just the little things. What about you? I see nothing really bothered me because, like, yesterday, because um, I think a lot of a lot of coaches in in game one, I think they like to kind of put their foot on the the gas, just go, and, and they're not going to stop anything. Like they want to see what you can do without any intervention because I think they just want like the raw tape on you they want to see like how you handle all these situations and then make adjustments from there so like i'm not gonna really knock billy donovan i think for a while like so i really love the billy donovan hire so like for me billy donovan could probably piss in my cornflakes right now and i would be like that tastes good um (laughs) because because he's like this is a you know you Finally, with the Bulls, you're getting like a professional coach for the first time in a long time. And, um, you know, it's somebody that I think definitely has a a knack for coaching younger players, has a knack for adapting to the roster he has around him. Um, So, like, I'm I'm looking at it, you know, more from a long-term approach. I I really, you know, like the hire and and I'm willing to really give him a lot of rope and give him a lot of – chance to kind of troubleshoot what he's got on the roster right now. Um, but yeah, like it was interesting. Cause you know, to start the second half yesterday, he didn't see Wendell Carter on the floor. He only played him for one half. Um, what I have liked to see Wendell a little more knowing that you only get four preseason games and we're really only two weeks away from the start of the regular season. Yeah, maybe, but I kind of trust his judgment at this point. And um, like I said, I really think he's just kind of seeing what he's got. And then by the time we maybe get to that like third or fourth preseason game or, or even when we get to the start of the regular season, I think you're going to see sort of like, a, you know, more of a strategy in terms of rotations, how he manages the, the ebbs and flows of games and, you know, kind of manages even like those things like timeouts, knows when to call them, knows when his team is kind of struggling. I think he'll start to sense that as, as things go forward. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, what is your expectation for the Bulls this season? My expectation. So this has been kind of a tough one because I've been going back and forth. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to have a preview. Uh, by, I had part one of a preview podcast with, with Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago uh, just to get his, his thoughts on the season. But I'm going to have another one coming out where, where I do offer predictions um, on the season. And, and that'll be out next week. Um, but you know, and, and I'm still trying to think my way through it because part of me, like the expectation level for me this year is that, um, we're going to see growth now, what that means in terms of like how many wins this team gets, that's a tricky one. Um, because I could totally see a scenario, Phil, where like they play way above expectation and, you know, you see Zach Levine play like he did last year, even slightly better. Laurie Markin and play to the level that you and I are talking about where, you know, he's flirting with like 18, 19, 20 points a game. I could see a season where Laurie or uh, Wendell Carter is much more involved in the offense. And I think that will happen and he'll continue to be the, the defensive player. He is. Um, I could also see a year where Kobe white has, really consistent and high scoring production could 
see year where Otto Porter plays really well. Patrick Williams plays well. Just because Billy Donovan knows how to use these guys. Now, we saw, of course, last night, there's still def- defensive deficiencies. So if everybody plays really well offensively, I could totally see a season where they win, you know, right around 33, 34 games. Um, but if things don't go well, you know, if, if Laurie kind of is like he was last year, very inconsistent, if uh, Wendell Carter is still kind of struggling to feel his way, if Kobe White is not, you know, picking up the slack on the defensive end of the floor and, you know, is, is, is too streaky offensively, you know, maybe, again, Laurie struggles. Like, then I could see easily maybe a season where they struggle and only muster like 25 wins. Uh, maybe injuries happen too. Um, so it, it could go a, a wide range. Um, because it, really the whole year to me is going to be a season of growth. It's going to be a season of evaluation. I think they want to know what they got. And if everybody plays well, um, I think that's going to dictate how the summer of 2021 goes, if they're going to be aggressive or if they're going to look to make a little more wholesale change at, you know, like the trade deadline or in the off season next year. So I think that's why they are going to really kind of, take a look at what they have this year and, and kind of go from there. Yeah. I Now I, my expectation is I'm for, uh, for sake of my sanity, <laughs> I'm keeping my expectation cautiously, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> and, you know, but I want to see young players improve. Lord marketing needs to improve. He's on his contract year after all. Uh, Wendell Carr Jr. needs to improve. Kobe Wright, I didn't see a big jump. I mean, you know what Kobe Wright, Bring the scoring off the bench. I would like to see maybe somewhat improve in playmaking ability or hoping or anything. We need to see some of those Patrick Williams play well. Maybe uh, I want to see those young guys improve. I think that's the most important, as you mentioned, evaluation for all these guys, especially some of the guys who've been in the league for a while, for a few years, like Lauren Marketing, which is pretty much playing for his contract now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's what I expected. You know, or hoping for, you know, if not, if everything goes south, well, we're getting high pick, high draft pick. Okay, come in, come, come on in. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that, like, that's the thing, too. Like, you know, if, if they do struggle, um, you know, you're going into a, a pretty deep draft class, too. And, like, of course, Cummings, yeah. he's, he's the cream of the co- crop in the, you know, Cunningham's the cream of the crop in the, in the draft this year. But, um, yeah, like, that's that's the other intriguing aspect too. Now, I, this is just my thing though. Like, I don't know if they're going to be that bad enough, you know. But then again, you know, there's there's even lottery odds, so it's different now. You know, you, years ago, you had to lose a lot to get a really good shot at getting a top pick. Now it's a little easier to jump into the the top, you know, top five, top four. But yeah, like I, I'm. Like, I feel like – I think I would be stunned. I think I would be stunned if they won only, like, 18, 20 games. Like, they were that bad. Like, some people – like, it's interesting. Because, um, you know, you got to adjust because it's a 72-game schedule, not 82. Um, but I was listening to, to ESPN 1000 in Chicago. They had Charles Barkley on. Charles Barkley seems to think the Bulls are going to be the worst team in the Eastern Conference which kind of surprised me a bit, um, you know, because, like, I, I, like, look, I, I get they weren't great last year. But, again, yeah. they, they won 22 games prior to the, the shutdown. They probably would have gotten to 27, 28-ish. They had a rough end of the season, I know that. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I think they, they probably would have won at least maybe five more. And – you know, like, I don't know if they would have been – I think there were a lot of games last year where they lost because of their head coach. And honestly, yeah. like, Jim Boylan, I could probably count eight to ten games that were lost because of mismanagement of the rotation and with kind of wheeling guys in and out. Like, I brought this up on the last podcast. Um, but you remember there was this game, I think it was in December, against the Los Angeles Lakers 
where early in the season where the Bulls were up by like 20-something points. Kobe White was feeling it. Um, I think, uh, you know, Larry was having a good game. Zach was, and th- actually, I remember Thad Young was having a really good game. Jim Boylan kept the second unit in way too long, and they squandered a 20-plus point lead. They ended up losing the game by 11. And that was a game where, I, honestly, Jim Boylan lost them the game. And, like, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Like, I don't think your head coach is going to be losing your games. So um, I think that kind of makes up for the fact that, you know, they, they should be able to, to put some wins together. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it'll be the worst thing, worse than, like, say, Cleveland or worse than Charlotte Hornets. Granted, they got the mental ball, which will be somewhat exciting for them. Mm-hmm. But – Worse than Charlotte or worse than Detroit? Maybe, well, Detroit maybe because they got if Black Griffin stay healthy. Um, but I don't see the Bulls being the worst team than those teams I mentioned. Uh, I, I mean, I know where the Bulls were, as you mentioned, the Bulls were bad. Uh, but you know, to be fair, yeah, it's season closed uh, so soon because due to this circumstance, this COVID going on, yeah. Uh, and, who knows how many games we won at the time? We won twenty-two games, uh, games. But you know, hey, we got the number four pick <laughs> better than number seven. <laughs> you know, but you know, well, and, so that's the process. Yeah, and you know, the another thing to 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 bear in mind here, um, I think we're having a, a play-in too this year. So like, yeah, you got to be within, you know, I think at number ten, and I honestly think the Bulls probably will be flirting with getting into the playoffs all year, like that. That's kind of my vision for the Bulls. It would not surprise me if the Chicago Bulls are like last year's Washington Wizards, where they're like constantly on the outside looking in, kind of flirting with the idea of getting within the top eight. So like that's that's kind of how I feel about this team. I think they're going to be at least somewhere along there. Like maybe they're, they're the 10th best team in the East and they're kind of just on the, the verge and there's nothing wrong with that. With a young roster like this, that's fine. Um, but it would be pretty sweet to see them really play above expectation. The, the tricky thing here, though, if you've seen the beginning of the schedule, at least, uh, yeah. oh, my God, it's like murderer's yeah. row. Yeah. That's that's tough. I've seen the schedule on Chan- what, January, and that's that's brutal. I mean, I mean, the circus, well, I don't want to say circus, <laughs> but that's what it seemed that way. But, you know, that's brutal. And that, they're going to be in a tough, uh, tough. I believe, I believe the first season opener was, what, against the Hawks right now? In the season opener? Yeah, so they get the, the Hawks for the season opener. And then they, they got some stiff competition where they got to go. I know, I think they got two against the Celtics. They get the Lakers. And this is all within, like, the first month. Um yeah. They, they have some really, really tough competition to, to start the year. Um, and look, with a young team like this, and, you know, we're talking about some guys kind of feeling their way through things on the offensive side of the floor. Um, yeah. It would not surprise me if, you know, Wendell, Kobe don't hit their stride offensively until a little later in the season more consistently. And, like, yeah. that's fine. You know, if, if they kind of pick up their, you know, pick up things – Late in the season, that's fine too. You, it's good to end on a high note for sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be tough. But you know, like again, if you see steady improvement from these guys, um, you know that that goes a long way too. So, um, you know, I guess like it'd be really cool if in the first month of the season, you know, maybe within these first fifteen games, you know, if you could just hold out and. You know, maybe just in the first 15, if you can go uh, go out and win maybe at least, I don't know, six of them, that probably would would help a lot as you as you get towards some some easier games down the stretch. So, yeah, yeah. we haven't seen the second half of the schedule yet either. So they haven't released the they only released the first half of the schedule. Man, it's going to be weird. Get used to that or for that. Yeah, know, it, for a short period. Yeah, it's it's a little strange because like yeah, they only released through what like the I think like March third or something. So it's um yeah it it is strange. Like this is the world we live in. This is this is the new twenty twenty. And you know, there's talk that if 
you know, I, I had heard Woj bring it up a, a few times that, like, you know, they also want to be flexible in case there's, you know, vaccines more widely available. They want to be able to, like, yeah. maybe have the opportunity to halt things if need be to let players get back, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, it, that's the world we live in, you know. Um, I feel like the, the beginning of 2021 is going to be, you know, kind of like a the ultimate reset for a lot of people. So, like, it's um, yeah, it's 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 strange, you know. Like, you usually would would see a full schedule when the season starts, and like now it's th- this kind of setup. Uh, you know, it, it's very apropos for the world we're living in right now. Yeah, it is, man. It is, man. I, when I saw the schedule, I was like, "Hey, what happened to the have the schedule?" I mean, I thought we could release the entire schedule, it, but oh, so they could just go release the first half and see what happens. And it's it's gonna be weird. I don't like the playing thing. I don't know. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe I'll overreacting. What do you think about the playing situation? You know, like I, I don't know how to feel about it yet. Um, you know, like, watching it in the bubble is kind of weird because like they they wanted to test yeah. it out. Um, my guess is is knowing how things are in the NBA, they might try to keep it to kind of squash all of that. You know, tanking possibility. I, I think they they might keep something like that. Also, you, know, you got to look at it from their eyes. It's kind of like an extra revenue opportunity if you create a, another set of games. So, you know, I, I it probably is not going to go away. It'll probably stay around. Um, so I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll learn to love it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I think it's going to just be kind of ingrained to, to what we see in our NBA experience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, now it, yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um, look at Bulls playing tomorrow against the Houston Rockets at home preseason. Um, I don't know, you know, actually, change Harness out because he's he can start practice this week. That's what they say yesterday. Uh, so we're gonna play Houston. I hope we see more better effort of closing out the shooters <laughs> and maybe a bunch of players get the rebound, not just one player. So hopefully, we'll see that too. That's the only thing I want to see. Maybe maybe see some flashes with Kobe playmaking ability. I mean, I know it's Kobe, right? He was better off scoring, looking to score than playmaking, um, which is, seemed to be more. Just, he doesn't seem to be uncomfortable at the moment. But this this is just the preseason game, uh, first game. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's good talking to you. We talk good things about the Bulls. Um, it's be interesting season. And you're welcome to come back if you're up to it. Hey, I'm I'm always down. You you always feel free to reach out, and uh, you know maybe we'll we'll have you on, Phil, too. Uh, talk some bulls on rebuildable. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Just let me know, and I'll be there. And you know, and um, follow me on Twitter, PDH10. Again, my Twitter handle is PDH10. Let's Talk Podcast has a Facebook page. Give a like, update. I update new episodes and also new guests, all that good stuff. Let's Talk Podcast is available from nine different platforms, which you can listen to all the episodes, including this episode from nine different platforms, such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. The next Let's Talk Podcast is tomorrow night, which AJ makes his return, which we will talk about video games, consoles, and plus we will debate Basically, which DC and Marvel movies needs to reboot? Are you a Marvel or DC fan? Uh, no, not really. And <laughs> I get a lot of flags <laughs> for it. But you know what, though? This, uh, this, I might do some binge-watching right around Christmas time. I might try to binge-watch some Marvel stuff. But my friends give me shit for it all the time. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, I'll take it easy on you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Just, yeah, I mean, I was thinking Superman was overrated, but I haven't get bashed yet, so. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just saying, yeah. It's, uh, is there anything you want to plug in, a podcast, YouTube, or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, you know, uh, real quick, just uh, to your to your followers, um, you know, if they could give a give a follow to, uh, to you can follow me on Twitter at mgentile88. Uh, I give all my, my takes on the Bulls and, and many other things, um, a lot of other Chicago sports, too. Um, you can also follow me uh, or follow the Rebuildable podcast at Rebuild underscore A underscore Bull. We're available where uh, all you know all the streaming platforms where you get your podcasts. You can you can find the the Rebuildable podcast, and we try to release something at least every other week. 
Um, and like I said, we got our preview uh, part two coming up this week. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Everyone. So everyone, wear a mask, please. Stay safe. And talk to you tomorrow night. And have a good night. And hopefully my foreigners win tomorrow. I know you're a Bears fan, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, regretfully. But I, I kind of want them to lose out. Like, just go ahead. Like, I need, we need change. So, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm a Fortnite fan, so we're dealing with all these injuries, and pretty much by the time the end of, or close to the end of the season, we're probably gonna have no one on the field by this rate. But man, they, they still play hard. So they still play hard, and they got a coach that that knows what the hell he's doing. I'll tell you that. So that's true. Yeah, maybe maybe next time you come on my podcast, we'll talk about the Bears. We'll hear your thoughts about your about the Bears, and especially. The draft, maybe the deep about the quarterbacks and stuff, you know. So, yeah. So, anyways, everyone, take care. Have a good night and peace out, everyone.